I don't have any fucking... I just had... Crap, I have to edit that out twelve two seconds into this podcast. I don't have any cool number things, I don't think, for this episode. No. no. Um, well, I can't think of anything. Well, well. Oh, do you have something? Welcome to episode number 12 of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. Did you know, you know, nearly 12 and a half years ago, <laughs> <laughs> one of the games we were going to talk about today came out in Japan. That's about as close as I can get. I mean, <laughs> wow. Which is, yeah, yeah, that's, I'll take it. <sighs> stretch. It's, it's a, a stretch. It, yeah, it's a stretch, but, you know, you, you get um, what you can. I'm Jared uh, and Lady. I'm over here, by the way, not over here on the other side of the internet. I made a motion that like you were like right next to me, so I was like, I no wrong. No, no, I'm not there. <laughs> if if this had been episode 13, um, we would have had a connection, but we're just gonna skip episode 13. Yep. Um, just like an elevator. This <laughs> this game that we're about to talk about, uh, the first, well, not the first game, but the first titled game takes place in 1913. Yeah, I guess you're right. It be- well, it begins in 1913. It continues yeah. in 1914. But anyway, um, that is not our connection because we are not on episode 13. Dang it. We should have postponed this on episode 13. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, hello. This is Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. Uh, this is a podcast about conversations about anime, manga, and video games. I have to keep saying that so I'll remember to say it and make it a catchphrase. Whoop, whoop. That's just for me only. <laughs> uh, just do you want a catchphrase? I know. I just want to like. I want that to kind of be like the, the motto. The there's a word I'm looking for that I can't think of. Just like slogan. Maybe not the slogan, but like just like the style of this podcast, where it's like, all right, you know, we we talk about stuff. We're not necessarily like restricted su- to one thing. Yeah, and it's like it's not super formal. It's like you know we cut loose ever a, a lot on this podcast <laughs> shows. Let's say, <laughs> and like you know like. We can be very knowledgeable about stuff. We can have, like, we can research a bunch of stuff, or we can just, you know, shoot the breeze about a topic or something. Yeah. Hence, conversations. All right. I like it. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about a series of games. I guess that would be the correct terminology. That yep. came out in the very, very early 2000s, for the first half of the 2000s decade. I still don't know what, what you would call, like, that decade. Um, the o- the OOs, the double O's. the OOs. I've always heard like the knots or something like that. I'm just like that sounds dumb. I just call it the 2000s, like the early 2000s. It's just like there's you know everything else has like a you just go with like the 10s, the 20s, the 30s. So it's like it's harder. Yeah, more more syllables. Yeah, and I'm very lazy. I want to <laughs> say less things. <laughs> but yeah, these games came out uh, from. You know, between 2000 and 2004, so a good five-year span in America and Japan. We're going to talk about Shadow Hearts. We are. One and two, and Kodelka a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's a real shame they never made a Shadow Hearts 3. I know, right? I know. <laughs> so, like, I never heard of these games until last year or some point. You, were, you brought them up and were basically <laughs> like... Yo, you need to play these games. And then, I think it was probably a lot more insistent than that. Oh um, no, I'm gonna get there. You <laughs> and then you kept saying that until I bought them off of eBay, and I was like, okay, I'll play these games. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a problem in that I want more people to play Shadow Hearts and Shadow Hearts Covenant. The the police are literally coming, <laughs> or the ambulances or something, are literally coming to tell everyone to play Shadow Hearts. That's how much you want people to, to play these games. It's true. It is a tragedy that more people have not played this game, um, this series of games. And um, I, I feel like I just annoyed you into it, and I'm fine <laughs> with that because it got you to play it. And so that's all that matters. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't say annoyed. Okay. You were just, I'm persistent. Yeah, you were persistent. And I was like, okay, I'll play these games. And hey, I am glad I listened to you, as I am with a lot of things that you suggest. So Yay! there you go. <laughs> I I am a huge, huge fan of RPGs. Um, if they haven't figured that out by now, Cons- uh, considering how many whoops. episodes we've talked about RPGs on them, like right, half. and like half of them are like, so Anne made me play this. <laughs> um, but I'm a huge fan of RPGs. It's definitely my favorite genre, and um, Shadow Hearts is a series that I stumbled upon, and it was kind of an accident but it was a beautiful accident that kind of sounds like the way you would find this game just like eh, it stumbled into this one <laughs> yeah well and you have to consider that um okay so i didn't play them at launch you also have to consider that i played covenant at launch but not shadow hearts which that was uh, and... like covenant came out in 04 so there was a mm-hmm. there was a bit of gap between one and two so yeah and um I I have an interest in history, obviously. I decided to do it as a career for some reason. And um, these games are so strange in the sense that they are like alternative history. Um, not yeah. alternative facts, <laughs> but alternative history. Um, because they take real life uh, European and Asian events. Um, America, what's America? Who, who did that? They didn't do that. And they put sort of a supernatural twist on them based on the game. Which is fascinating. It's great. It's yeah. so good. And um, it's it's handled really well. That's the thing that I like a lot about it. It's, it's done pretty respectfully. Now there's a helicopter telling them <laughs> that they need to play Shadow Hearts. It's one of those like helicopters or something that like has like a thing behind, like a banner behind them. It's like, play Shadow Hearts. <laughs> and... Um, you know, one of the the crappy things, I guess, about this game is that whenever you say Shadow Hearts, people are like, oh, you mean Kingdom Hearts? I'm like, no, I don't mean Kingdom Hearts. I mean, this this game predates Shadow or Crap. Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> excuse me. I almost just completely goofed right there by like... <laughs> was Kingdom Hearts like an 02 release? or 03? It's by at least a couple years, I would say. Because um, I mean, Shadow yeah, Hearts 1 predates, Shadow Hearts predates Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. So... And, um, but that is, that is the thing is that people are like, you mean Kingdom Hearts? I'm like, no, no, I really don't mean Kingdom Hearts. Trust me. But Shadow Hearts. Shadow Hearts. Oh, it's so good. And it has like probably the best protagonist that can ever, ever, (laughs) ever exist. Ever. I, I love that man. I love him. She, she, she's not kidding. Trust me. No, no. Like. If there were ever a video game character that I would point to and be like, you know what? I'd marry him. I'd marry him and I'd be happy about it. <laughs> It'd be Yuri. It'd be Yuri Huga. It would. 100%. He's sassy as <laughs> He is so sassy. He is. But he's also ridiculous. 
Um, he has a stupid sense of humor. Um, very defensive. Um, sometimes shady. <laughs> uh, which, you know. I mean, he can have monsters come out of him, so that's a little bit shady in its own right. Right. Okay. I guess we should clarify that um, Shadow Hearts is a series where your protagonist can um, <laughs> can demon fuse uh, with monsters that he's essentially um, like trapped within himself. Uh, I think they describe it in a different way, but that's how I'm going to describe it. And uh, it's very similar to like you know a Shimagami Tensei or a Persona game, but like you're mm-hmm. you become the demon that you're invoking. It's not like you have to like pop out of you or something like that or just like call it up on the phone like, yo, what's up? I need some help, yo. Uh, Come hit me with them demon stuff. It's just like, all right, I'm this guy now. Yeah, he just transforms directly into that character and they come in like different varieties. You know, you have your light, your dark, your wind, your um, your um, fire, etc. And um, you have different levels of each demon. And you also have special demons, which are pretty rad. And hard to uh, get. And hard to get, yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> Seraphim Radiance is like the hardest thing in the entire universe to get. <sighs> um, but God, it's worth it. You, you made um, me get that thing, by the way. I'm, I'm sorry. Which, I'm sorry hey, to you. it was worth it. But still, that, oh, boy, that was hard. Did I make you get it in both games? Uh, I don't remember if you did in two or not. Oh, two what, is even better. What was the what's the battle you do in two to get it? Um, in two, uh, I'm trying to think of the. Because in one, it's you have to fight your dad. Ben, yeah. you have to fight Ben, who is super Japanese, right? Yeah, <laughs> the most Japanese name. And that's how you get him, which it's like it's a one on one battle and it's whew, not easy. No, no, it's really not. Um, especially because um Seraphic Radiance is like the not is it not only is it like the best demon that you can summon, it's probably the hardest boss in the entire game. Cause you're doing it one on one and you're doing it um as a weaker demon. Okay, Dark Seraphim is the is the Covenant one. I'm trying to remember how you I might have got that. I just I don't remember. It's great because you get to see Yuri's butt. I mean I guess you kinda get to see Yuri's butt in the first one, but <laughs> you get to see Yuri's butt as Dark Seraphim. Uh da 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 Okay. Wow. <laughs> I forgot that this was the case. So you um, you have to get like all the extra fusions, and you have to get Curando's fusions, and all the soul drops, and you have to trigger a scene, and um, you. So I probably didn't do it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why you wouldn't though. Man, it was so hard though. Uh, cause you fight an actual like it's a different looking version of Dark Seraphim. It's more like a feminine version. And then when Yuri does it, he's like him. But it, it, it still has to do with Ben. Well, yeah. So anyway, what a mess. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. But 
you have Yuri, who is a um, harmonixer, is how they, they phrase it. He, he can summon demons and become them. And he encounters a... Do they call her a priestess? Is that what they call her? She's, she's essentially a, like a cleric of Alice? sorts. Yeah. I, they might call her that? I don't... It, it, I, mean, I mean, that basically would describe her. Right. She, um, she's the daughter of a priest. She wears that giant cross. She does. Um, she fights with the Bible as well. And uh, she, she <laughs> yeah, I've mentioned multiple times that if I were ever to become an RPG character, that would also be my weapon. I would just fight people with giant books. Also, I'm just now figuring out that Shadow Hearts 2 had a director's cut. Yeah, it had a director's cut. That never came over here, and I did not know that. Nope, did not come over here. WTF. Um, I'm sorry. It's uh, It's real sad for you. Ah, I also didn't get to play that one. It's got a better cover art too. <laughs> but um, so Alice, like I said, her her dad is a priest and is obliterated, like literally blown to pieces, which traumatic in and of itself. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but then she's like kidnapped by uh. Well, the Japanese government, and she's in China, in Manchuria, when Yuri and Alice meet up. On train. And thus begins the tale. On the train. The fateful train. And then our good pal Roger Bacon shows up. <laughs> Which, oh my god, I, I want to talk about that scene, though, where, like, this is how you know that Yuri's going to be, like, the coolest RPG protagonist of all time, is that opening scene in Shadow Hearts, because... He has just like demons busting through, and Roger ends up like ripping his arm off, ripping Yuri's arm off. Mm -hmm. And Yuri just looks at him like mildly irritated <laughs> and attaches his arm back on. You're like, what is happening? <laughs> Actually, that's that's a common theme between Yuri and Roger Bacon. Um, the the Roger Bacon at this point, anyway. Um, spoilers is uh. They just kind of, like, are nonchalant about losing body parts. Yeah. Like, y Yuri loses his arm, and then Roger Bacon loses his eye to Yuri. And he's just like, eh. man, <laughs> what an inconvenience. <laughs> um, and also, they can both summon demons. Right. Um, kind of important. Kind of important. <laughs> so, demons are clearly a um, big part of the these games. Um, like I said, your main character is a harmonixer. The bad guy in Shadow Hearts, actually, the beginning bad guy and then the secondary bad guy are all about some demons and demon summoning. Let's summon all these demons. That's a good idea. Yeah, right? That's such... Stop summoning demons, guys. Bad idea. Stop doing it. And then um, by the second game, you still get some demon summoning, but more of it's like... Hey, I wanna I wanna become this demon and make a salt pact. <laughs> Which sounds really cool, but is not as cool as it sounds. Yeah. A soul pact sounds really awesome. <laughs> also, Yuri's outfit gets better in the second one because he gets that sweet fanny pack. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah, he, he legit gets a fanny pack. Um, I, I guess one of the cool things, or maybe depends on your definition of cool, is like you can't just necessarily grind in this game. 
in Shadow Hearts mm-hmm. 1, per se, because there's a system called Malice that, like, accumulates every time you fight someone. And if you accumulate, like, way too much of that, it just, like, makes everything harder, right? Yep. Um, everything becomes harder, and also um, it summons a set of bosses. Um, the So for clarification again, I'm sorry, there's a lot of clarification. Um, Yuri has a graveyard in his soul. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is where the demons chill out, um, but it's also where the curse, the malice curse, um, chills. And so there are four masks that hang out in this graveyard and usually you know you go talk to them you clear out the malice whatever and they talk Um, they talk crap to you they do they talk a lot of crap but if you're out in the world and your malice gets to the level red those masks will actually come after your soul um and you have to fight them or run (laughs) which at one point you do have to kind of you have to do that for some reason i think right if you want the good ending Right. You have yeah, yeah, to okay. defeat the masks in a certain order. That's the only way to get the good ending is is to defeat the masks. Which can be kind of difficult when they like when you're trying to do that. They like they don't they don't come in like the right order. Like one will just repeat itself, and you're just like, just give me the one I need. Come on. Right, right. Because you have to like defeat them in a certain order so that you can um, like negate the um, status effect that they would put on your parties, such as like. You can't use this kind of skill, and you can't use this kind of skill, and et cetera, that kind of thing. Um, so if you defeat them in order, then it, it negates that negative impact on your party. But at the beginning, when you're learning about this malice, if those masks pop up, you're like, oh, buddy, these are scary. <laughs> um, and they're pretty difficult until like the very end, and then they're not so difficult. But... You know, Shadow Hearts, I think one of its strong suits, besides the fact that I'm saying that, like, you know, it has the whole history, because it, it takes place at the verge of um, World War I. Like I said, 1913, 1914 is when sure it's does. going on. Um, it's got some very fascinating um, bits of, like, Chinese-Japanese politics, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, n- not a whole lot of people, especially, like, stateside, are familiar with that maybe more so because um i'm gonna try and say this in a way that's nice because i'm i'm in the same boat people who play video games tend to be more interested in japanese history and culture (laughs) so maybe they know some of this but it's it's interesting to see how they tie in these like geopolitical um instances and and real history like into the game right and I love it. I love it so much. It's so great. Uh, they have, like, some of it's wrong. Um, well, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a video game. And they're, right. they're and going they're in a, And they're going off this, like, they're going to a weird, their own version of history as well, so. Right. Um, so, like, at one point, you can go and fight uh, a side dungeon, and, like, you're in, a wall, you're in the walled city, and, like, that didn't exist at the time. But, you know. Minor, minor points. I can look past that as a historian because as a gamer, I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so it, I, it's, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, I was going to segue off of that and say, well, I guess not segue, but like one of the, I would say the 
the most fascinating things about this game is the battle mechanics yeah i really really like the battle system of shadow hearts and shadow hearts covenant obviously it's better in covenant because they had some years to figure it out it's so good and it's very customizable um in covenant at least but um somewhat in in shadow hearts but it didn't help that i didn't have the manual for this game so the first time that thing came up i was like what am i supposed to do here (laughs) I remember that I texted you and was like, there's a manual on the actual, like, game in the menu. I'm just like, um, uh, it spins and I'm and I'm <laughs> doing something. I don't, I keep getting hit. I'm not supposed to be losing this tutorial battle, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's it's a ring that you're, you're given. And depending on the character, you have different spots that you have to hit um, a certain amount of times. And you have, like, yellow and red sections. It'll depend on, like, if you do a hit or a crit. Critical, not a crit. And, sorry, that's just, like, my my mind's, like, hit crit. Hit crit. crit. And so, like, with Alice, you'll have, like, one or two that you have to hit if you're trying to attack with her, which I don't know why you would, other than the fact that it's hilarious to watch (laughs) her beat a demon to death with a Bible. Like, yeah, it, it, the physical attack especially depends on, like, you know, if your character is a physical attack or not. So, like, Yuri has, like, multiple hit areas on his ring. Alice will have only a few, but then she has, like, magic attacks as well that those also go with the same same mechanics, mm-hmm. albeit a little bit different. So, like, healing is just, like, there's just a green bar, and you just have to right. hit it in that area, and you're good. I think it gets a little bit more complicated as, like, the higher you go up with your magic skills, They'll be like, yep. oh, time it to here and then hit it into that area and all that sort of stuff. And then, like, it's the same thing with, like, if you want to use an item, you have to time it out and hit it. If you want to buy stuff, you can you can do the timing game and that'll help you get, like, a discount or something if you're good uh-huh. at it. If not, then you're just going to pay full <laughs> price. Well, that's fascinating that, like, they decided that this battle mechanic was going to transfer into even, like, shopping. Mm -hmm. That, like, oh, hey, you could pay full price for this item, or you could go and hit hit the bar and um, get a discount. Like, that's super cool. I I like that a lot. And, um, again, at, at certain points, you can get, like, cards for the shops that will up your discount. Like, after you've hit, like, a certain amount, or uh, I think in one of them it's that, and then another one you have to collect the cards. But, um... It'll be like, oh, you have 10%, but then, like, you get it on the cards. Like, oh, now you have 20% off, and I think it goes up to, like, 50 or something like that. Mm-hmm, but the slivers that you have to hit become very hard to hit. Yeah. Uh, so, at, at a certain point, I was like, you know what? 40% is fine. I'll, I'll take 40. That's a good, it's a good amount off. Yeah, because just trying to do 50 and like if you fail then you have to pay full price i'm like oh i'll take 40 instead (laughs) but it's a really cool battle mechanic and it was very different um yeah like i don't think i've ever really played much of anything else that kind of has that same mechanic you know mm -hmm. uh we talked about lost odyssey has something similar not necessarily the very same thing it's just there's a there's a bit of timing involved in their battle system but it's not as involved or in depth i would say as shadow hearts is right and i mean it's the only game that i can think of that has that kind of battle mechanic and it it plays really well you would think originally like oh you know i don't want to have to hit a thing to use an item but it's really cool and it keeps you kind of engaged with the battle more than just like oh i have to hit a button to win yeah like there there are parts of this game i don't think that have aged quite as well i would say the battle mechanics is probably like one example of the game that is 
I think that has actually aged very well as mm-hmm. time's gone on. Because, like, you, it's like you said, like, there's not really anything else out there that has the same mechanic. So it's unique in its own right. And the way they did it, and especially how they evolved with it in 2, especially, it's just like they got it right the first time and then were able to tweak it and make it even better the second time around. Right. And another thing that was unique to this, which um, positive or negative, depending on your perspective, um, is that the the game has sanity points. Yeah. And um, you have to consider your sanity points in a battle. Uh, So if you're like in a big boss battle and your sanity points are running low, if you let your character's sanity points go below zero, then they basically go berserk. Um, you can't control them. They do whatever. Which isn't you good. Can't, it's not good, especially like if you have Yuri fused into like a big demon and he can hit your own party like with a massive hit. Like, nope, nope, that's not good. <laughs> and Yuri is an easy one to have. Um, Yuri is kind of deceiving in a sense in that he has a very high SP. But all those demons his, cost a base. lot. Yeah, all the demons cost SP to um, to summon and to have out each turn, and so he he loses SP really quick. Um, and like I said, if he loses SP and attacks your party, well, <laughs> good job. <laughs> uh, so it, it's something that they do different. That uh, like I said, depending on your sp- perspective, is either good or bad. I think it's cool. Because it's different, yeah. It's different, and this game does kind of deal with like. So, I wouldn't say necessarily sanity, but it does deal with a lot of like darker darker themes and um it does deal like I said demons and um there are some weird critters out there that you have to fight in that game. <laughs> and I think yeah. my sanity points would go pretty low too fighting them. So like the the weird monsters with the with the dingly in the center that you're like, "Oh, oh buddy. I don't know what's happening there, but I don't want to know." It was always just like a good idea, just like if you're gonna stock up on items, stock up on the sanity point items that yeah. refill that. Because like even in like your your normal party members, like the the normal ones, the non Yuri ones, I guess you could say, like they'll also they have the same mechanics. So like I mean they have way fewer SP than Yuri does, but even still, like mm-hmm. if you're in a boss battle or something, more than likely you're gonna have to refill them just because that battle is gonna go for a little bit, and you're gonna need to have them in that battle and be able to control them and not have them do whatever they want. Right. I think in the first game, the only character that has like second highest is, um, Keith. Yeah. Cause he has and a lot of magic skipped up. I think he does. And then I think in the second game, well, Karando would be the other one, but, um, Karando is also a harmonixer. So yeah, he has the same kind of thing. He can also summon demons out of himself. So, um, and Keith is a vampire. So his sanity points are already just kind of high because Keith just deals with his shenanigans. Which I guess we should, we should talk about the cast of characters in both of these games, especially, well, I guess with one for now, and then we'll get to two a little bit later on, but. Okay. The, there's a good cast of characters in both of these games. I completely agree, and I think that's part of what makes these games so good is that they have such a strong cast. Um, I don't think there's a character in either game that I actually dislike as a playable character. Yeah, I think yeah, I would I would agree with you. Um, 
they're all really different, but they're unique and they're interesting in their own ways. They have their own motivations. They have um, their own like background stories. They're they're fascinating. Um, we've mentioned Yuri and Alice. But there's also like Marguerite, who is uh, a French spy. Who is based off like an actual French spy, right? Because there's, um, there's a lot of these characters that, like, I think two more specifically goes into this a little bit more, but, like, they have characters that are based off of, like, actual people that were living around the time of World War One. Yep. Which is um, so cool. It's super cool. I love it. Um, again, little little history dork. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> why am I blanking on her name? Matahari. Yeah. Matahari was um, the basis of um, Marguerite, and um, you know she she she's interesting because she, since she's the spy, um, she has like spy tech as her <laughs> specialty, and she'll just pop out like a cell phone, which yeah. you know, okay. um, and like call in like attacks, like sniper rifles and things. You're like, what is happening? It's great. It's fantastic. And Where she's did also you get a cell like, phone in 1913. <laughs> Where did you get a cell phone in 1913? But she is super funny. She has really good interactions with Yuri. Mm-hmm. And um, we've mentioned Keith. There's Lee, who is kind of like the, the third party member for a while in the very beginning of the game because, you know, he's the third person you meet, essentially. Yeah, um, but he's actually really cool. He kind of serves as like your your mentor figure for a while. Right. But he has a good backstory in the sense that he's been dealing with the whole Chinese-Japanese relations for a while. He was actually um, dealing with the first half of the game's big bad. Right. He he was involved in the first attack on um, with De Hawaii. Is how, I don't know how you say it. The peg leg guy. That. <laughs> um, but he so Shadow Hearts One doesn't have voice acting. And probably wouldn't have been pronounced right anyway. So, voice acting in uh, two thousand one, not great. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking of like the Chinese pronunciations and and Dynasty Warriors three. Oh, and I'm like, no, it probably wouldn't have been done correctly. But anyway, um, the first half of the game has has this main enemy, and you find out that um, that he was involved in the takedown of him, which didn't work. But um, also Ben, who is Yuri's dad, was involved in that. Very Japanese. Very Japanese. We have to keep um, reiterating that. I just, I don't know why they went with Ben. Um, you know, old Ben. Ben. He had a very Japanese name originally, and like Ben is his nickname. Okay. Is, is Japan- yeah, that's his Japanese name. But then they tried, they brought him over to English, and it's like, you know, these Americans, they can't pronounce Jin Pachiro. We're going to name him Ben. Which is funny because they left Yuri as Yuri Huga. Yeah. So, um, okay, whatever. And it, like, they left a lot of the Chinese characters named with their Chinese names. So, True, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Localization anyway. is weird. Localization is really, really strange, but I'm going to talk about Keith a little bit more because all I've said really is that he's a vampire. Tell me um, more about this vampire. What you know about? I know. I'm I'm so, for, the, for the people at home. 
so Keith is for one fabulous. Um, Keith is also a very, very Romanian Transylvanian name. Um, clearly, uh, Keith Valentine comes in in his fabulous purple suit with his long blonde hair. And essentially all he wants to do is nap. And that's relatable. And he 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 likes ladies and most of like his entire like recruiting part is following around as he's invisible and then he's grumpy because he's awake. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you know, there's been nonsense happening down in my village and I don't understand what's happening. I just uh, want to sleep. <laughs> right. But he's like a fabulous character in terms of like his actual gameplay um, because he does use his like vampire techniques. He's also the beginning of a line of Valentines in, in the games, which I very much appreciate. They get weirder as they go along. Each game's got to have uh, a vampire. Yeah. And Keith is the beginning and he starts, he's relatively tame in terms of like vampirism and his, his bizarreness. But, um, He's he's a good guy. I like him a lot. Just transforms into a bat. He lives in a castle. Just wants to sleep. Comes to help out on the journey. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm bored. Can I come with you? Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, sure. You're a vampire. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fine. And I guess lastly is Hallie. Yep. Who is a teenage boy. Um, He is a boy. Clarification. Hallie is a boy. Uh, I think he's supposed to be like 15 or 16. I can't remember exactly. That sounds about right. Let me see if I can get clarification. So I'm going to talk like this. <laughs> 15. Okay, 15. So I'm not too far off. His height so is Hallie... small but growing. Oh, <laughs> how cute. Um, Hallie is a quote-unquote homeless child who runs like a street gang. Of children as you that do. are also homeless, as you do. Um, additionally, he comes across as a very normal child, you know. Besides the whole homeless in England thing. Yeah, which also we should make we could make mention that like you begin the game in like in China, right? In China. And then mm-hmm. like halfway through, oh, by the way, we're in England. <laughs> right. Well, there's China, and then there's like Europe in general because yeah. you have like um, aren't you in Prague? Um, in the halfway point of the game. I believe so. At least in and one that's of the games you... you do. Right. Well, I was trying to remember which one's Prague and which one's Zurich. And, um, cause but either way, you're, you ha- you're in Europe for like the other right, half of the you, game. Because you have to go to Romania and all and pick up Keith, be pals. But then, you, yeah, you end up in England. Um, and you end the game in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some Wales action if you're really into Wales. Not the critter, the country. <laughs> uh <laughs> And um, so you meet Hallie, who, like I said, is is leader of a children's street gang. And he seems very normal. He's, he's got a slingshot. Um, turns out he's very not normal. Um, he's actually extremely powerful, <laughs> like disgustingly powerful. His his moveset's called ESPU, right? ESP. ESP. That's ESP. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Hallie... Is an interesting character. He is, he, you'll probably get to this in a bit, but like, he is the link to Kodelka. 
He is. The game. He and also is. the character. <laughs> yes, actually, literally. So one thing that happens throughout Shadow Hearts is that Yuri keeps having a voice speak to him. Mm-hmm. And tell him where to go. And at one point, he's like, you know, this is weird. I'm just following whatever this voice says. And Alice kind of calls him out a few times. He's just um, like, oh. Yeah, he just does whatever this voice says. Turns out it's Kodaka. And um, she's been trying to communicate with him, even though she's been in kind of like a catatonic state. And the reason she's in that state is because she has been put into a mental facility. And guess who her son is? Hallie. So, um, what's actually interesting, besides the fact that Kaldaka is his mother, is the fact that his father is also a character from Kaldaka. Yes. It's Edward, right? Edward. Yeah. Um, Which I guess for people who don't know, Kodoka is a game that came out in 2000. It's more of a strategy RPG, but it kind of has some similar elements to Shadow Hearts, and it's the kind of quote-unquote prequel to this game. It is. It is the prequel. Um, it establishes a lot of um, like lore of the series. And, you know, we were talking about last week, Persona, and how some of the games didn't age well. Right. Kodalka is one of those games. It did not age well. Um, while I own it and I like the premise of it, the gameplay is extremely rough to go back to. It's super hard to play. It's a very um, ambitious strategy RPG, which that in of itself should be like, yeah, that's that's going to make it a little bit hard to go back to. Right. It, it definitely is. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's a PS1 game, so, you know... It, for what it tried to do, it did it did well, but it just didn't age very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's cool that you end up having all this lore tied back to that game. And I actually didn't play Kodaka first. I played Shadow Hearts first. And then went back and played Kodaka. And I was like, oh, hey, I recognize that. I recognize that. I recognize that. Which I, I wonder and- if people who, you know, if they'd played Kodaka first even, like, would have realized that Shadow Hearts was, like, the next game in that story or somewhat i don't think so i think if somebody was to play like kodaka and then not know that that was a sequel they would never pick up shadow hearts and be like oh hey it's the continuation of this game that i really liked right um in like 99 or whenever that came out i don't know but they tried to make it very blatantly clear that hallie was his son but translation issues messed that up (laughs) Whoops. Yeah, so Edward Plunkett was his dad, and he became Hallie Brankett. Yeah, because, like, yeah. this this wiki thing says, like, the katakana for boo and poo were confused, yeah. and yep. whoops. Whoops. That kid, though, is a beast in battle. If you guys go and play it, or if you have played it, like, go back and play it with Hallie and your team, because, whoa, he's good. I remember that, uh, that was what you told me, and I was like... Like, I first got him, I was like, I don't know. But then by the end, I was like, I know. Yeah, yeah, he can be beast. Oh, my God. Uh, it's great because this kid, like, when he actually use any of his, uses any of his magic, he basically throws a temper tantrum. <laughs> uh, he, like, flies, flies up into the sky and, like, lights up whatever color of magic he's going to use and just starts screaming. Yep. It's great. 
um, as you do. It's what and, I do all the time. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you have this game that you're... Did I miss... I didn't miss anybody, did I? Uh, the playable characters, no. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess we could also talk about the fact that the, the real Roger Bacon is phenomenal. Yeah, so eventually I guess you find out that the guy who's been calling himself Roger Bacon isn't Roger Bacon. He's this dude named Albert Simon. Yep. And then eventually you find the real Roger Bacon in like this weird observatory. And he's like super old and super weird. <laughs> he's like 800 years old and yep. loves like naughty magazines and girls <laughs> panties. Uh, he's he's ridiculous. And um, Shadow Hearts 1 is the game where you, he, you meet him and it gives you like the name thing where you could go and name him yeah. and he's like what you think you can name me my name is roger bacon <laughs> and he's like oh my god um because i think it shows up as like strange creature yeah yeah <laughs> real dumb <laughs> but it was great how it like broke that that wall there that it's like you can't name me uh but he does uh actually in both games they're they're quests that uh if you have naughty magazines you can give them to roger and he'll give you stuff Stuff. Which stuff? Uh, <laughs> which he's not the only character in the series that you can give naughty things and they give you things in return. It's it's pretty entertaining. Actually, in Shadow Hearts, you have the acupuncture guy, who um, oh there's right, some extensive innuendo on what happens during the acupuncture sessions because it's they blatantly make clear that he's gay. Yep. Um, so like if you take Alice in there or you take Marguerite in there, it's just like, okay, we're done. Um, if you take any of the guys in there, yeah, yeah. He's just professional and done. And if you take any of the guys in there, it it becomes awkward very quickly. Yep. Which, you know, I, am I'm not a big fan of implying sexual assault or harassment on people. Um, but it was, it, you know, I guess that's part of the humor of it. 2001, what do you expect? Right, yeah. Don't sexually harass people, guys. Um, Pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was also um, Kawashima, who was based on a real person. Yes. Which she was really cool. She um, Kawashima is obviously Japanese. <laughs> and uh, she is a major character that uh, is trying to capture Yuri and Alice and does some shenanigans, which also, like, Oh man, I forgot about the sea mother scene. I was just thinking about that. It's ridiculous. Oh god, that was voice acted. Yep. <laughs> yep. But Kawashima kind of like helps drive the plot, um, and you find out more of what happens to her in like some missable scenes. Which I know that I've mentioned in Final Fantasy VII. I don't like missable scenes, and I don't <laughs> like them here because I feel like it's significant to the plot of two that you know what happened. Yeah, like. The way the things that happen to her character are very important to the things that happen in two. Yeah. Which spoiler, they, she dies. She does, she dies. Um, she's killed by the Japanese government. Um, and she they do go into it a little bit in cutscenes um in two, but it is significant to the plot of two that Kawashima is betrayed and murdered by the Japanese government. Partially for helping Yuri and company. How dare she? Yeah. Um, but she's super cool. She's like bad woman that's like really, really, really fighting the power. I love it. Also, probably should mention 
there's a love story. I mean, I guess we can mention that. Aww. I'm kidding. Yeah, let's mention that. <laughs> there's a love story. There's a love story. It, it's super cute. Um, Depending on which ending you get. <laughs> you know what? <sighs> yeah. Okay. So, um, Shadow Hearts, both games, have two endings. Good and bad. Good and bad. Actually, this goes back to, again, Kodaka. Um, it has a good and bad. The bad ending of that game is canon. The what? what is with these games and having bad endings be canon? <laughs> well, Shadow Hearts 1 has both endings as canon, technically. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. It's just like and... you don't initially see that at first. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, so it, it, if you're going through the story in a traditional sense, the bad ending of Shadow Hearts 1 is canon. So bad ending canon, bad ending canon, and then good ending canon, and then good ending canon is <laughs> <laughs> uh, how it works. But um, yeah, it can be rough if you only get bad endings. <laughs> um, because the love story of Yuri and Alice, it's super cute. At first, it's a little creepy. Because yeah. <laughs> Yuri is kind of Weirdo. He's introduced as rude hero, and he is rude, and he's strange, and I love him. But um, as as the story develops, as Yuri goes through his issues, um, as he actually absorbs a demon that he's not physically or mentally capable of absorbing, um, it ends up becoming... Uh, which... You know, I, I know some people may take issue with this, but it becomes more of a, like, she kind of saves him type scenario. Right. He's he's driven by the voice to help her. Yes. Beyond that, it becomes a sense of he really begins to care about her. Um, she begins to care about him. And I think by the midway point of the game, when World War One actually starts. Well, that's technically and- the end of the game. No, no, no. Are you sure? Because the credits, yep. the credits of Shadow Hearts One literally ends or starts with like, "Yo, Franz Ferdinand just got assassinated." Oh, right, you're you're right. Okay, so it's when Shanghai is hit is the midway point, right? Yeah. Okay, so the hit of Shanghai is the midway point. Sorry, whoops. Getting ahead um, of yourself. <laughs> I know I am getting ahead of myself. Um, I think by that point in the game, it's very very clear that they start to care about each other. Mm-hmm. The whole side quest of the mask fights that we were talking about earlier is that Alice ends up assuming the malice curse for Yuri in order to save him. Right. And so that leads to the fact that if you don't defeat the masks and then go to their boss, who is terrifying by the way, (laughs) that boss is so creepy. If you don't defeat that series of bosses, as you keep playing the game, you see this gravestone pop up in his in his uh, mental soul cemetery, and it's st- at first it starts off very faded. You can't read who's on it. By the end of the game, you read that it says Alice, mm-hmm. Alice Elliot. And so, if you just beat the game as is, if you don't defeat the masks, she dies. She assumes yep. the curse. She takes all of his his pain and all that and she dies 
Because like the, the the two of them are going on this train ride, and they're like they're basically going off to do their own thing. They're and, going to Zurich. Yeah, and then like basically, she like leans on him like as like she's sleeping, quote unquote. But uh-huh. then like he kind of realizes, uh oh, something's wrong, and whoops, things are bad. Right, and so depending on which ending you get, she either wakes <laughs> up or doesn't. Yeah, that's either a happy scene or a bad scene. Right, and it also has that really, really um, emotional, like Shadow Hearts song happening. Uh, like it's literally called Shadow Hearts. Yeah. But it's the ending theme of it, and it, it's a really um, beautifully done, like Japanese song. Um, it's more of like a traditional vocal style than like a J-poppy style. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's beautiful, and I actually can't listen to it without getting a little weepy now because <laughs> of the bad ending. Uh, like you'd think that the good ending would displace that, but no, I just think of the bad ending. Completely understandable. Right. And so you, it's kind of like a persona three scenario and that, um, you wouldn't really understand that she's like dying at that point until right. like the end. You're like, Oh wait, no, she's dead. Um, whoops. But, uh, Oh God, it's emotional. Which I, I, I played through and got like the good ending first. And I was like, all right, yeah, this is a great ending. I'm good with this. And then, like, I think you were like, you should go play the bad ending. I was like, I don't want to replay all that section again, so I'm just going to look it up on YouTube. <laughs> and then I watched it, and I was like, what the f***? How is this the canon, canon ending? How is this the setup for Shadow Hearts 2? This is bullshit. <sighs> but then you played Shadow Hearts 2. I still wasn't happy. <laughs> well. Oh, until I got to the ending, then I was. But, okay, like, okay. for the most of that part of that game, I was like, Right. Ending. It's it's so upsetting because a lot of Shadow Hearts 2 um, is about dealing with loss. Yeah. Also, World War One's happening. World War One is happening. God, like I know we just talked about it, but, like the way the credits like the credits go and then like at the end like, oh uh, well, by the way, Franz Ferdinand just got assassinated. World War One has now begun. I was like, what? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> It's so ridiculous, but at the same time, it's just amazing. And um, you actually start off with, you kind of have like a dual protagonist scenario in two. Because I would consider Yuri and Karen. So I would consider Yuri and Alice the the protagonists. The at least protagonist and deuteragonist. And I would consider it the same scenario with Yuri and Karen. Yeah, I can see that. So you start off as Karen, and she's actually a um, an officer in Germany in World War One, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure is a fantastic job. And she's sent to um, Damery, France, to investigate this demon in a church well like before then too like she she goes to the vatican right and meets up with like like, this whole yeah this holy dude and he's like we gotta get rid of this demon man yeah nikolai is um he's a member of the vatican i'm not sure what his actual position is i don't know if he even has one i think he might pretend he's a no he's not a cardinal no because that's albert simon was a cardinal right I don't know enough about Catholicism. I'll be completely honest with you. I know <laughs> jack shit about Catholicism. I grew up with um, it. I could still not tell you. Okay. So he, he's... He's Vatican some, man. He's Vatican man. He's dressed <laughs> up in these nice white outfits, and he's like, 
I don't know. I'm um, Mr. Holy Guy. He is, and he he comes across as like a very nice, respectable, churchy dude at first. At first. And he's trying to help at, at first. He's trying to help Karen. Um, he he proves wrong very quickly on yep. um, the whole "I'm nice guy" thing. Although he does kind of pull that whole like "I'm a nice guy, Karen" thing throughout the game, you know. <laughs> he does. Uh, it's like no, you're you're literally murdering people. That's not a nice guy. He's the World War One version of a f- boy. He is like put a freaking fedora on him and like put him at a men's rights activist uh, <laughs> uh, message board, and he'd be right at home, right at home. Although I don't know about the Catholicism that might not work, but yeah, you never know. But anyway, <laughs> he would totally fit because Nikolai is absolutely a hundred percent that stereotype <laughs> but yeah he um he sends karen to to go find the demon would you find and... out Yuri? surprise it's yuri and he's just like <sighs> yeah he's he's ammon at that point right he's what ammon the the demon yeah Okay, so he's Ammon, which is like a beast mode demon from the end of the game. He's he's pretty boss looking. Which makes and, sense, obviously, because like this is a continuation of, of Shadow Hearts 1. He would have all that stuff, but then, you know, it's a sequel, and obviously we can't let you have all those cool demons and skills and all that stuff, so here comes Vatican Boy to come suck them all out of you. He's like, <laughs> demons. He, he puts the mistletoe curse on you, and also kills a child in the process. So, also a nice hint. It's um, it's not a direct reference, but um, the girl Jean who is killed, uh, is named after uh, Joan of Arc, who <laughs> is also from Do Um, fun fact. This game has uh, references. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, she's not a direct reference because obviously the time period's not right. But, right. Uh, but he kills her. She's dead. It's so mean. Nice guys don't kill children. <laughs> That's um, what they say. Right, right. And so he also mistletoe curses Yuri and tries to kill Karen. He's like, haha, and, I'm backstabbing you. You never right. saw this coming. What what a what a jackass. And <laughs> he's all looking at you with his pretty Leonardo DiCaprio hair, like, yeah, don't you want me now? It's like, no, you're a hat. No, I don't want you. Anyway, sorry, I got carried away there. And uh, Jean ends up going into the expanded graveyard of Yuri, which is cool. Um, it's, it's, you adopt. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different than like the first one, which is the first one was kind of like mm-hmm. one screen with like a bunch of graves, and that's where you went to like level up your your elemental abilities your- and all that stuff. But like this time, it's yep. like oh, you have like three different screens, and like oh, you got these little pillars that you throw all your your points into which i think like this time around they don't like necessarily they or gate it to where it's like oh i if i beat this enemy i get this specific elemental points like this time around it's like you got all these points just throw them into whatever and then that'll level them up that way right um i actually forgot about that system because i've new game plus it so much that <laughs> right. i don't remember like the original <laughs> level up mechanics uh it's kind of bad but um so Gene hangs out there and in his new cemetery, which is an upgraded nice cemetery. Good job, Yuri. <laughs> and um, Karen joins Yuri on his adventures of figuring out how to cure the mistletoe curse. And how to not um, be also, sad. Also, how to not be sad, right. 
because loss and the whole thing of he he um they show you at one point that he literally like dug Alice's grave and buried her in his coat from the first game and everything, yep. and it's heartbreaking. This dude has seen some. He has like not only has he seen some when it comes to demons, but like the love of his life died and he buried her with his own hands, and it's like oh. Buddy. Just break my heart, why don't you? <laughs> Again, I love Yuri. He's he's a tough, tough customer. He's been through some stuff. So Karen and Yuri and uh Yuri adopts Jean's wolf dog. Wolf. Wolf. Blanc. Yeah. And so you have that and then you also end up meeting with Alice's uncle, mm-hmm. who is a puppeteer. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and he has um is her name Cornelia? Uh yeah, yeah. Okay, Cornelia. Um she's actually a really cute puppet, but she's weird. Yep. Also related, I was mentioning earlier that um Roger was not the only one that you could trade sexy items for, and Cornelia, when you want to get better elemental, um, because how Geppetto works is he uses Cornelia as his weapon and she's a mage essentially. And so you change her outfits into different dresses and she can use different skills. So how do I get these new dresses you ask? Well, as you travel the world, which you will travel the world again in Shadow Hearts 2, uh, actually backwards this time, you go from Europe to Japan, It um, you will find these cards they're called stud cards (laughs) and they are highly highly suggestive cards of men in provocative poses mostly nude holding whatever item it is they specialize whether it is a um a wine bottle or a swan dress um you know however cleverly we need to hide the junk and so you trade them to the flamboyantly gay um, shopkeepers and you get your dresses for Cornelia. So um, not only is Geppetto really strange in the sense that he has like his daughter um, replacement doll as his weapon you can also dress her up in varying outfits from very very cute so holy crap she's wearing a dominatrix outfit. Yep. That is made in exchange for naked men cards. The end. Good <laughs> cards. Good cards. Um, which I at least appreciate the fact in this series that um, you know, they give you some sexy stuff with women, but they're also like, hey, you know what? Here's some here's some naked dude, and here's some dude butt, and things like that. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. Equal opportunities, sexy times. Right, right. Like, um, there's actually a scene, which I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit here, but I was going to say there's a scene with Joaquim that uh, Joaquim Valentine, our vampire, where they introduce him and they zoom in on like different parts of his mus- mus- muscles. Yeah. And one of them that they focus on is just his butt. They're like, here you go. Here's his butt. It's very muscular. Which also, he's a vampire, but also a traveling professional wrestler. 
Right. Um, so I guess I didn't mention that, and that would be something that you would bring up. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, he is a traveling professional wrestler, and he also protects villages on his spare time. Um, as you do. As you do. He's he's such a great character. I love Hoakim. Hoakim's one of my favorite characters in Shadow Hearts 2. Although not my favorite. Not your favorite. Mm-mm. We're going to get to your favorite. You know who my favorite I is. I know who your favorite is. <laughs> Yuri doesn't count because he's in both games. Uh, who is my favorite from two? I'm going. We're going to go through the last two characters first, and then we'll get to your fave. Uh, okay. Uh, Lucia? Lucia? Lucia. Lucia. She's a dancer. She does some item she... mixing. You don't really use her. <laughs> yeah. I. Okay, so I don't actually use her ever um, unless I'm forced to. Not that she's necessarily a bad character in terms of her characterization. Um, she's somewhat interesting. She's the weakest character of all of the characters from both games, period. She's a She has tarot cards and aromatherapy as her skill set. But it's so randomized that I just can't, I can't deal with that. But a lot of people really use Lucia to a great extent. So, you know, power to you guys for dealing with the randomization. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, also, she's like the hottie of the the squad. The squad uh, hottie. <laughs> right, like you meet up with her. She's kind of dumb. Actually, you know what? I can just take kind of out of that. She's dumb. <laughs> um, Shots fired. Yeah, but when you're introduced to her, she's essentially like drawing tarot cards by belly dancing. Yeah, she's like she's yeah. Her her job at the at points is strange. It is, um, and all the dudes are, like, drooling over it. Um, <laughs> like, whoa, belly dancing. Yeah, I can't remember if Hoakim does or not, but... Um, well, Hoakim's and would, also gay as well, so probably not. He he is. Um, which, I mean, I guess that's one thing that we have to... Even though some of it is stereotypical, you have to applaud the fact that the series has so many gay characters in it. I think, like, at least with Hoking, like, he's the least, like... Blatant. Blatant and, like, you know, stereotyp- stereotypical, excuse me, of that. It's, like, they kind of mention it here and there, but then it's, like, yeah, whatever. Right. They don't make it his <laughs> entire character. They make it part of his character. Right. Um, which I appreciate. Um, it was it was pretty, pretty rad. It doesn't even come up until, like, the very end of the game. Right. But, yeah, he's gay. Um, so probably not... I don't know. He could probably appreciate the aesthetics of Lucia. That's true. Um, but that's how you're introduced to her. And also, um, fun fact, again, historical um, people. Hashtag fun uh, fact of the week. Yeah. Um, she ends up marrying uh, Lawrence, who is Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> oh, this game is fantastic. Yep. Yeah, it's really good. It's fantastic. All right, continue. And then they got Corando. Oh, Corando. Yeah. Um, he is also a Harmonixer. But he's uh, a samurai Harmonixer. He is. He's actually pretty cool, though. He uh, he has his nice, like, Kakama pants. And he's kind of, like, he kind of aesthetically reminds me of, like, the main character of Persona 3 in terms of, like, his hairstyle and body and everything like his outfit's clearly different but <laughs> he just shows up in a school uniform he's like hey guys what's up 
Well, he is like 16 years old. Yeah. Maybe 17. I think he's 17. He's a baby. He's 17, yes, because the other character's 14. <laughs> um, which is important because I was worried about shipping that. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I guess that'd be okay eventually. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> but Karando is actually related to Yuri, thus the Harmonixer. Um, and he can only summon two demons, but they're also pretty boss. Yeah. Um, and he's clearly a physical attacker. He has the same kind of um, fight style as Yuri does, except for he uses a sword, not claws. Which, which to get like the demons you need to get for him, don't you have to like his mom summons them and then like that's how you fight them? Yeah. So the first one is kind of like there after you get him. Uh, the second one is so hard to get because you have to fight his mom solo. And it's a hard fight with him by himself because his speed is not as high. Right. And um, his mom's speed is very high. <laughs> um, Speedy mom. So his mom is Yuri's aunt, right? Yeah. Because she's Ben's yeah. sister. Yeah. Okay. So that's the relation. And so Karando is essentially like going to eventually be the like leader of this village because he has the ability his mom is cool as crap like <laughs> she's such a cool character and she's she's sassy as well like you can tell that that sassiness runs in like that family <laughs> because ben's got it when you have his cutscenes. yuri definitely has it and then karando's mom has it and you're like okay karando does not have it he takes after his dad he, he's, he's he's gonna grow into it yeah, he's he's kind of stoic, which is acceptable. Um, he has his first um, summon is more of like a ethereal, like angel looking character. I think she has some kind of like Japanese lore behind her, but I can't remember what it is. And then his second one is um, oh, there's some great innuendo with his second one um, because he's basically like um, a guy in a loincloth. <laughs> With a giant, like, club sword. God. And um, my favorite character is overhearing um, her talk about, like, how he was, like, swinging his sword so hard and things like that. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny because, like, the entire thing is just an innuendo about, like, Karando beating off to become a man. <laughs> um, when, in fact, he was actually just getting his summon. His demon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but he's good and um, actually a pretty important character in terms of the the final bits of the story. But true, true, true. Kind of, kind of rings true that you eventually get a young adult, uh, teenager, whatever you want to call him, character that is relevant to to family ties and all yeah. at the end of the game. <laughs> that is kind of true. <laughs> I don't think I realized that. Yep. But then there's the favorite character. There's the favorite character. Uh, the best character to use in combat. The best character. As, as you know, as I as I definitely demonstrated multiple times. Bop, you bop them. Ball bop. Anastasia. That Anastasia Romanov, of Russian history. Is a playable character. Yep. 
she's wonderful. Like, if you think that I'm talking about these other characters being sassy, like, <laughs> Anastasia outdoes them she, a million times. She's sassy on, like, this, the the utmost level. She is. I, like, I strive to be that sassy in life. But she is literally, like, one of the big driving forces um, once you hit Russia because you're dealing with the Romanovs and Rasputin. Which is fascinating to me. I love Russian history. I legitimately spent like an entire semester in a library in my freshman year of college, um, just reading through microfilm about the Romanovs. Which like I didn't know about any of that really per se, and then like you showed me that, and I was like, "That's crazy." It's so cool. Um, I mean, they take some liberties because it's a video game, but right. um, in terms of actual like aesthetics. Rasputin looks very, very similar to how he did in real life, which is pretty cool. Um, Anastasia, not so much. But um, you have the entire family in there. Well, not the entire family. You have the important members of the family. Sorry to to the other members that are not included. <laughs> so you have Anastasia. You have Alexander the, the Tsarina. You have Tsar Nicholas II. And you have Alexei, who is the hemophiliac son of um, Nicholas and is the reason why Rasputin is allowed into the family in the first place. So, you know, it has a really cool, interesting um, tie into Russian history, which I really like, believe it or not. And, um, yeah, you, you don't get anything of Olga, Tatiana, Maria. You just get the rest of them. <laughs> Sorry, older sisters. Not important. So one of the things, I'm going to mention this because I can't, history dork, I can't help myself. Um, they have Alexei in an outfit. <laughs> it's very, very similar to uh, an outfit that they recently, I mean, I say recently, like within the last 30 years, discovered um, some photographs of the, of the Romanovs that Nicholas took. And there's a picture of Alexei, mm -hmm. and they actually used that outfit that he was wearing for the game. Um, so, fun fact. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very, very similar. It's not the exact outfit, but it's modeled after that. So, I, I love that. Um, so, it's kind of going through the, the political dynamics of what's happening in terms of Rasputin. Um, like, right at the verge of the um, overthrow of the Tsar. Uh, you even have references to, um, uh, I'm blanking on the event, um, it, not Bloody Sunday, but um, the event where the Tsar of Russia, uh, he was basically being protested and he sent the military oh, right, out. Right. right. They actually make a reference to that in the game as like a reason why there's so much unrest. And I'm like, oh man, that's so cool that they like put that much detail into this. Um, <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> uh, so not only do I get the whole like fun historical elements of this game, but I I love Anastasia in terms of her her outfit, her personality. Um, again, she can be so overpowered if you allow her to be. Which like one of the cool things she does is like she's she has like a camera with her, which you can power up uh, throughout the game as well. But like you take pictures mm -hmm. of each monster you come across, and then. For some, like I guess probably a few of them, you can take that their monster, skills. yeah, their skills, and like you just use them on their on. Her, you allow her to use them then, which is 
really weird that the photograph can do that, but also real cool. Yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, it reminds me more of like Final Fantasy VI where it's whole like painting thing. But um, again, it kind of ties back into the whole uh, Romanov family because they were really well known for taking pictures. Like, And she takes a lot of pictures. Because photography was somewhat like new and edgy at the time. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I say these edgy photographs. I say new, but like you know, they had it in like 1860s and all. But it was right. becoming more um, accessible yeah. for the average person to have like a portable camera with them, and so um, that was one thing that the Romanovs really were well known for is taking pictures. So. Again, that that aspect to me is fascinating that they put that as her character trait and that she's going to take pictures as part of her skill set. But also, she's a boss mage. She is. I I love that girl. I killed basically, for the most part, every single boss that I came across by the time I got her with her with the physical ball attack that she does. <laughs> yeah, she has like a Russian egg, um, like a... A ceramic egg type thing as her um, weapon it has wings, which is interesting. But um, she's not strong she, at all. It's not. It's a weak, weak physical attack. She's not a physical attacker. <laughs> but when <laughs> when she attacks, she bops them with the ball, and that's oh, that's. It's so I kept good. getting text messages from you like I bopped the boss. Yep, <laughs> that because that's that's how I would go and defeat all those bosses because it was the best animation. I was like. Hey, this cool giant boss thing is about to die. Yo, yo, Anastasia, you want to go bop that thing and kill it? <laughs> and you're like, whoop, whoop. And that's it. Another boss yeah. done. It's good. Final boss, uh, bopped. All the other bosses, you... bopped. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So, um, as I mentioned before, you start this game in Europe. Um, you start it in France. You do go to England and Wales again because Roger Bacon lives in Wales. You get Roger Bacon again. Woo! Um, and you actually get to go to the... Um, in both games, you go to the ruins of the um, monastery that's in Kodaka. So you, you get to go there. Um, you also get to go to Italy in, in Covenant. And again, the game ends in Japan. Because <laughs> that's where else where do you find a final boss? Uh, well, considering who the final boss is in this one, Japan makes sense. <laughs> Can we... I, oh, in Russia. I forgot. You go to Russia. Yeah, you do go to Russia. I think it's the halfway point, but one of the parts of the game is when Nikolai comes back and you have to go... You find like this door that holds all the malice that it's Yuri had. Yeah, it's in the Vatican. And it's like all the malice that Yuri had built up and like hidden away and all that sort of stuff <laughs> and this ties into the alternate history portion of the game where they're like where Nikolai lets all that out and then like I think I don't remember like it's the halfway point or it's like the disc, disc change point but they have like a cutscene it's like so with all the malice point at, or brought out into the world that led to chemical warfare in World War One. I'm just like what? <laughs> that's what they say it's great um yeah that that's that's the, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but at the same time, I'm just like, yo. I ain't even mad. Tie it into World War One as much as you can, because, man. Oh, also, I want to talk about some ridiculousness about this game. Um, 
so we've, like we haven't already. <laughs> right. We've talked about Hoakim a little bit. Um, I also want to mention that Hoakim's weapons are all found. Yeah. <laughs> you don't buy them. He, uh, you hear like this twangy music start and you get a cut scene and whatever he sees laying around, he's like, this is my new weapon. And he comes up with like this beautiful poetry about this weapon and like what it's done in its past life and everything. So you end up with like mailboxes and like his final, like his ultimate weapon is a submarine. <laughs> uh, he he has like tables and, and all a locker. He just like he just grabs it. He's like, hmm. all right, it's mine now. A frozen fish is one of them. <laughs> oh, right. I'm trying to remember all the ones, but he picks up the frozen fish in Petersburg. Um, God. But. Uh, Oh, it's so good. And also, um, two of the minor villains are pretty entertaining. Um, you have Lenny, who is um, basically the leader of, like, the Steel Claws is the name of the group, I think. And he's, like, this big buff dude um, and scary as hell heck. And he ends up kind of being a softy in terms of actual personality. And there's a side quest. I don't know if you did the side quest, but um, there's a side quest you can go through at the end of the game. And you end up meeting all these different people who, like, Lenny did really good things for them. <laughs> and so, like, there's this one guy who was talking about how uh, he didn't want to be in the steel claws for the rest of his life and all. And uh, so Lenny taught him math so he would have a skill so he could, like, go out into the workforce. And there's another guy who, um, at, after the boss fight with Lenny, he, he basically, like, explodes the building and falls out of it. And uh, As you do. Right. And this guy's like, Lenny, save me from that. And it, what it ends up being is um, you get uh, Yuri's ultimate armor from this side quest. But it's great because, like, the entire time it's just, like, all these nice things Lenny's done as he's been, <laughs> like, riding your ass through Europe trying to destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is Veronica. Is that her name? I think. And she's a dominatrix. <laughs> oh, right. And all the characters essentially are constantly like, what is even happening right now? Like, this is so <laughs> weird. Uh, and she actually sleeps with Rasputin. Which is weird. Yeah, but it happens. the way that dude looks. Well, that's how Rasputin looked. And, um, you know, he... he um, have you heard the song, Rasputin? <sighs> yeah. Like, he was so well known for being, like, the <laughs> ultimate lover. Um, which, you know, <laughs> power to him, I guess. Um, there's a reason why, like, there's an urban legend around his junk. God. Right, right. Um, that's the topic for not this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he he's they have a weird relationship and that's how you end up getting the the um dominatrix gear for Geppetto. Not Geppetto, God, not for Geppetto. <laughs> that would have been a hmm. Would have been for a different game. Yeah, it would have. Um but so this series, Shadow Hearts and Shadow Hearts 2, um, Shadow Hearts 1 is the build-up, clearly. Shadow Hearts 2 
is all about loss. I mentioned that earlier when we first started talking about Shadow Hearts. Shadow Hearts 2 is about loss. Key point. For different characters. I mean, even as something as, um, I mean, it's it's not a major plot point, but Karen is talking about like the loss of prominence of her family is the reason why she has to be an officer of Germany is to give her family some kind of respectability. Mm-hmm. Yuri has obviously lost Alice. And Yuri actually doesn't have anybody anymore. Um, his mom died protecting him. Uh, his dad died in the attack on uh, Dehawai and um, Shadow Hearts 1, which is, well, not in Shadow Hearts 1, but it's alluded to in Shadow Hearts 1. Yeah. And now he's lost his lover. Yuri's kind of alone. And, um, you know, he, his initial response is kind of like Lonerville. Although he does um, take care of Jean, which, you know, that, that's a respectable way of dealing with grief is to, to, like, take a child under your wing and, like, help her out. Right. And then there's another character. There is another character. Who, Actually, is, who is in... Oh, sorry. I was going to say Geppetto also has lost because um, his doll is a replacement for his daughter who died of illness. Anyway. Um, there's lost in this game. There's the big loss. Yeah. Go ahead. So we didn't talk about this character in, in terms of one, but Kato... Kato is somewhat of a small fry in yeah. in one. He's um why am I blanking on her name? Because I just he, I said it a minute ago. Kawashima. He's, yeah, he's an assistant to Kawashima. Thank you. And I, like she yeah. ran, or when he when she's there, he's like kind of like randomly there as well. Like oh blah 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 blah. He's like That's the what assistant he says. essentially. Yeah. I, I mean, he ever once in a while does useful things. Like he opens a shop for you when you're in the like temple area of Shadow Hearts One. Right. And um, he, throughout Shadow Hearts 1, you start to realize that he has very intense feelings romantically for her. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he's basically there when she dies, right? He, or, like, he's, he's the first he, one to find her? He's downstairs, and he hears the shooting and goes up, and he finds her. It's basically like I, like Shadow Hearts 2. Like, I, I feel like we've talked about this, at least briefly, at some other point. Shadow Hearts 2 is basically the story of how different people take the loss of a loved one. Yeah, it, it, it's a dichotomy of grief. That's an interesting way of putting it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it. It is, though. It's a dichotomy of grief because you see Yuri, who has essentially gone through the same thing. Um, although she died in a different way, she still died and she, right. he still very much loved her. And he goes more towards like, blaming himself and isolation and um you know he does get you know i I feel like it's kind of cheaping it to say he gets mopey but he does um at certain points um like uh if you go to zurich in late game with karen and yuri and your party he will talk about like burying her and everything and it's it's real emotional and then you have kato Kato did, Who goes like the, the complete opposite way that Yuri did. He did not handle it well. Um, no. He essentially found his way into a higher government position. He used that to his advantage and he used his likability because he is, uh, they, they explain multiple times that he is throughout um, the game. You, you meet him and you talk to him and he is very likable. Mm-hmm. 
uh, he uses that to his advantage to play people to get what he wants. Yeah. And there is a book throughout the entire series, all, all these games, that can be used to revive the dead. It is not used well in most senses. Like in the first game, you had to fight that weird monstrosity of the guy's mom. Right, yeah. Ooh. It's almost similar to how, like, well, Metal Alchemist has done, like, like the way, like, they're like, oh, you can revive people that are dead, but most of the time it's not going to go well. Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't, um, for the most part, in this. But Kato is able to create, um, I forget what they're called. They're something monkeys. Um, oh. But essentially he's able to create, like, shells of people um, through DNA. I don't know who the other two are supposed to be. I don't remember who they were. But the They're third, mutant apes. the mutant apes. Okay, there you go. Um, but the third is DNA used to make Kawashima again. But they're empty shells. None of them have the personality. Right. And so he kind of uses her as like a surrogate. And um, she even mentions multiple times like she wishes she could be her. That she was upset that she could not be that for him. Right. And then she dies. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, here's a guy who's not taking his loss well and kind of has done some shady things since then. And then he makes a surrogate of his lost loved one. And then that lost loved one surrogate dies. And then, uh-oh. Not only does she <laughs> oh, die, buddy. she dies protecting him. It was from Nikolai, wasn't it? Um... When she gets stabbed? I feel like it was from Nikolai, but I could be wrong. Anyway, she dies yeah, protected. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, so that that kind of, like, puts salt in the deep, deep wound that he's already got. Um, so he kind of snaps. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's an understatement. Right, and he he essentially tells Yuri in, in the cemetery with Kawashima and also um, after he buries um, Oka. The, Oka, the surrogate. He he tells you exactly what he's gonna do. He's like, I, I am going to end this. Mm-hmm. Like, I am going to go nuts. We're gonna do like a. It's like a weird time thing, timey wimey, nonsense. Yeah, because like throughout the entire day game, like there is like an uneasy edge yes. between Yuri and Kato, but like Kato's still kind of friendly, push friendly. But then like when you meet in the cemetery, he's like. Yeah, this is the last time we're ever going to be talking as friends or anything. Once once we leave this, we're enemies. Right. And, like, we're going to meet and one of us is going to die. Which, by the way, is a very good scene. Like, that's a mm-hmm. handled beautifully. Yeah. Because he does establish, like, you know, we we were okay for a while. We're not anymore. We're done. Um, But he also essentially begs Yuri to stop him. Yeah. Like, in in a very strange way, he's like... He doesn't want to do it, but he does. So he's, he's he's pretty much so far along the path that like he can't come back. He can't recover from that. Like he's how far he's gone is just like he's he's there now. Like there's no going back. Mm-hmm. And so there's this like pleading to Yuri to stop him. And a- again, I I'm kind of like fuzzy on the details. It's something with like basically ending the world in time and da 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 da. Because he's really messed up at this point. <laughs> As your typical villain does. Yeah. So, um, he ends up becoming this super intense 
boss. Um, he is the final boss. He becomes Susano. Yeah, um, with like the mutant apes, spiritual like beings as his protectors. Yeah, they become like weapons. Like a weapon, a shield, and a healer. Yeah. Which, um, that makes that boss fight so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it does. Because you have to take out the, the mutant apes, essentially, um, to do any kind of damage. And then there's the endings. And then there's the endings. Also, you can bob off the, the final boss as well. So You can. That's um, the way you got to do it. The good ending is canon for Shadow Hearts, but I, I'm going to talk about the bad ending first. Um, so the... The build-up to either ending is the fact that they're in this unstable, like, other world at this point um, right. after they've beat him. And they don't know how to get out, but they somehow understand that, like, if you wish to be in the place where you most want to be, that you can leave. Yeah. And so you have the characters disappear into their, their various places and... um. Most of them, for the uh, like, are pretty much explained right then and there where they go. Like Blanca um, gets to like meet a new kid, and um, actually, no, it's not the new kid. It's uh, Kawashima's sister, her little sister that was adopted. Right. Um. So he he gets to hang out with her. Um. Karando and Anastasia are. <laughs> I love a Debbie. Uh, which again, I, I had second thoughts on that at first <laughs> uh, i still am a little uncomfortable with 14 and 17 but eventually it'll be okay if they don't break up which uh, like they do this or like it's kind of like before the credits hit but it's like kind of like these snapshots essentially right um geppetto gets to hang out with his doll um which is <laughs> business was, as usual what he was doing anyway but i guess yeah. he's happy about it now um hokeem is like a wrestling champ yeah you don't find out what happened to Karen. Not until later. And uh, I think Lucia is like with Carla, her mentor, right? Yeah, that seems right. I think so. Um, again, she's kind of the one that I pay least. <laughs> Did I get everybody besides Karen and Yuri? yeah 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 yeah. okay so this is where the divergence happens if you get the bad ending then yuri is able to i guess trans transform out of the area um but the mistletoe curse takes over and so he loses all of his memories all of his personality he becomes a shell of yuri he's not him anymore Roger, Which is not what you want to happen. No, no. And Roger Bacon finds him in Wales and essentially tells him that he's his son and he's lost and brings him back to his house. And that's that's the bad ending. Which and good on is, you, Roger Bacon. It is good of Roger Bacon. But at the same time, um, I, I know I've mentioned this to you. I feel like that's a terrible ending for Yuri. That's not oh, yeah. anything that Yuri would ever, ever choose. Ever. No. Um. Because he, he basically goes the way of Kato, which is, like, the, the way the game is trying to push you is, like, don't go that way. Right, right. And so it's it's really disappointing to me that that, which, I mean, it is the bad ending. So at least this is the one bad ending that's not canon. Right. <laughs> then you have the good ending, which is startling at first. 
because you're not thinking it's good. I mean, <laughs> with the way the last two games were, you probably wouldn't think that anyways. No. So Yuri's standing there, and he he comes to a a conclusion that he's fine dying where he is as long as he keeps who he is. He wants his memories. He wants to remember Alice. He wants to remember his adventure. He He resigns himself to death instead of trying to wish himself somewhere else. As he's standing there, he is skewered by a giant rock. hate when that happens. I know. (laughs) But what this does is free him from the mistletoe curse. He's actually able to throw his consciousness to where he really does hope to be after this mistletoe curse is dead. Which, you know, again, this is some really, like, bullshit time nonsense some zero escape shit. it is and i'm okay with it um because of how it ends up happening so he is able to escape the mistletoe curse and he's able to throw himself to where he wants to be the most surprise you get a cutscene. where did he go jared where where do you where do you see him oh, where where do i see him it's is it i know like it's the like around the same place. It's like their campfire scene at the very beginning of the game of Mm-mm. SH1. It or is, it is the train. It's the train. He I couldn't wake, remember which one it was. He wakes up and he's like, oh, I'm almost late for the train. And it's it shows like Manchuria and you see the train coming and he just takes off at a full run, like headed towards the train. So what ends up happening is that Yuri broke the curse and is able to go back in time, essentially. With all of that knowledge intact of what he can do to save Alice, which is how the good ending of Shadow Hearts One is also canon, because it's bad ending, <laughs> good ending of Shadow Hearts Two, and then good ending of Shadow Hearts One, where he is able to save Alice. So essentially, you got to play through Shadow Hearts One, get the bad ending, play through Shadow Hearts Two, get the good ending, and then go back play Shadow Hearts on New Game Plus and get the good ending. Yep. <laughs> and that's canon. Um, so he is able to save Alice and live happily ever after, hopefully. And um, so that leaves one hanging thread. What happened to Karen? What happened to Karen? So Karen, um, which I still have some kind of confusion because she's still wearing her like mini skirt and corset <laughs> and like thigh high boots. Um, she's thrown back to the late 19th century. And you see a man approach her. You're like, why would Karen go back to the late 19th century? Why would this happen? Why, why would, would that? Happen? Why would that be the place that she would most want to be? Maybe she just was really, really like into 19th century culture. I mean, I wouldn't be. But uh, <laughs> so you see this man approach her, and he he sees that she's holding a picture. And he turns it over and he's looking and it's her and it's him and it's baby Yuri. And it shows you that it's Ben (gasps) and that Karen is actually Yuri's mother. So, uh, plot twist. Yep. The, um, general consensus is that her, her happy place or whatever is that Yuri is happy and, so, uh, or that she can be with Yuri, but you know, because of his relationship with Alice, it can't be like romantic, which also 
um, is uncomfortable for me when I play through New Game Plus because I'm like, oh, <laughs> you want to be with Yuri? That's your son. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like very early on they're like, oh, romantic interests, huh? huh? And then like afterwards, it's like we're not gonna talk about this. <laughs> yeah, it's a little little shysty, but yeah, it, Karen is actually Yuri's mother, and um, at Jojo one... Part Two all over again. <laughs> hey, spoilers. <laughs> no, I actually know that. Um, so what ends up? What's interesting about this uh, is that at a certain part in the game, Anastasia ends up getting traveling papers for Karen, but doesn't want Karen to use her real name because it's very German. So she renames her Anne with her papers. Mm-hmm. Yuri's mother is named Anne. Yep. So um, it, it's it's assumed that she took that name and... Um, maybe had the papers on her still. There's not 100% certainty. But um, so Ben and Karen slash Anne end up falling in love and they make Yuri and then she ends up dying. So sorry, Karen, that's a really sad end for you. But um, so I guess everybody kind of gets a happy ending except for her. I mean, I like mean, it's kind of a happy ending for her. I mean, she, she gets, gets what she wants. Yeah, she gets what she wants. She gets, you know, like. 20 years of, well, not 20 years. She gets several years of happiness with Ben and her kid and everything. So, I mean, it's it's not the end of the world, but um, I, am, I am happy with the fact that Yuri is able to save Alice. And I think that that was a good ending. Um, Two thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, once you see that train scene again, you're like, oh, oh it's happening. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting. And Yuri's just got like this smirk on his face. And you're like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. That poor boy's going to be happy for once. He is. He deserves it. He so deserves it. I I love this series. I really love this series. <laughs> As you should. Right. And I don't know if you want me to even mention it, but there is a reason I don't like three, and it's partially because it lacks a lot of the same character charm. So three ends up taking things to a, a weird extreme. Like you have like a giant talking cat, and you have like essentially your Hoakim type character who like finds items, but he's like this stupid ninja who's not even funny. Um, and then your Valentine is um hilda who has like skinny and fat mechanics which really is problematic in my opinion Oof. yeah like she has her moves based on uh like hoakim has his superhero move set where he's like the bat or he's invisible yeah. or he's the superhero or he's regular hilda has fat hilda bat hilda and skinny hilda and her skills depend on that i'm like oof Ugh. That's, um, that's not good. No, it's not. And the story is just not charming at all. It has none. The story of... takes place in like America, doesn't it? It's in America. Yeah, from the New World. Um, Already problem number one. <laughs> right. Um. And I mean, it's like I think it's nineteen twenties um, America, and like your your harmonixer is native american but she's not really handled in a good way and she has like a handler that is also not like very very stereotypical like native characters like it's a lot of problematic stuff going on in this game and 
it makes me really uncomfortable to play. So that that's my short and sweet reason of why I dislike three. Also, they tried to remake like, Yuri and it didn't work. It almost just seems like it was like a a half version of a Shadow Hearts game, especially because like two and three were like a year apart, which that's not good. I mean, it was just it 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 lacked everything that made Shadow Hearts one and two so good. And I mean, the characters weren't good. The story wasn't good. Like the gameplay was pretty much the only thing that was on point. And even then it was like, eh, it feels like an empty shell of what the other two games were. Right. So I just, I can't get into it. And that's why there was never a Shadow Hearts three. Right. There was never a Shadow Hearts three. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Also quick, um, mention because I seem to mention this on every podcast for whatever <laughs> reason. Oh, uh, music. Music's real good. It's really good. It's bizarre, though. Like, if you go into Shadow Hearts, you're not going to get RPG music that you're used to by any no. means. Um, it's got its own style, which is, it kind of goes with, like, just the way that game is unique in its own right. Right, right. I completely agree with you. Um, It, it has a tone to it that is uniquely Shadow Hearts. And actually, um, that is a soundtrack that I have on my phone because there's so many good tracks. um but the the two like vocal themes i do get a little weepy on also i would recommend if they if they've listened this far and don't know the track go listen to the alice theme from shadow hearts because alice's theme is good it's so good it's beautiful (laughs) it's it's a it's a weird guttural sound (laughs) (laughs) sorry it's it's really pretty and um that's another one that actually gets me somewhat emotional. I didn't even mention the part that's so heartbreaking with Yuri and Alice and two. I didn't even mention that. How did I not mention that? Probably because I'm trying to block it out because I cry <laughs> literally every time I see it. If I ever need to get out like a very, very good cry, I will like put in Shadow Hearts Covenant and go to like the theater and watch some of the Yuri oh, and God. Alice scenes. Oh God. Because they're good. I mean, like, it, it helps. I won't deny that, but still. It helps build their relationship even more than one already did. And yeah. it establishes more. Because um, as you mentioned earlier, they do kind of push Karen. It's like, oh, are you a potential love interest? Are you going to make him forget Alice? And um, He's like, you no. Know, no, it, it drives home that, no, he's not going to forget Alice. He's not willing to let her go. That, um you know, she's always there. Even like at one point you go into the cemetery and like you get a scene on the train and oh my God, it's, it's heartbreaking. And you know, it's so cute though, because he does things like he asks if he can sit next to her and he's so shy about it and it's, it's, (laughs) it's adorable, but uh, there, there are parts in one and two both that legit, I will fully admit I cried my eyes out. Not, I mean, yeah, it's not surprising. Considering, yeah. Whew, that game has some emotional roller coasters. It does. It does. Um, I mean, for with two, with the theme being so strongly the theme of loss, like it's to be expected somewhat. But um, man, it drives it home with him and Alice and how much he loves her. And how much she loves him. Like, it's... it's 
it's not, not a one-way street call. right it's not <laughs> and um you get some fantastic scenes with them interacting even though she is technically dead um she's a spooky ghost and he's so shy he, he just wants to sit next to her it's cute with his fanny pack <laughs> his butt fanny pack I mean, it's a fanny pack. You put it on your butt. You put it in front so you can easily grab your stuff. I mean, I guess it depends on which definition of fanny we're going with. If we're going like the England definition of fanny. That's true. Engl- uh, the uh, American version of fanny because they're on opposite ends of the body. <laughs> but um, <laughs> depending on front or back, actually. Um, Very true. So um, maybe they were going with the. I mean, they are in England, so... Right, but that would be our version, because Americans call it fanny, as in your butt. That's true. That boy is an enigma of weird fashion. He is. He's great, though. He has a giant (laughs) weird cross on his back, so... I don't even want to tell them, like, what... Like, in case they haven't played the game and, like, have heard all these spoilers and still want to play it... I don't even want to tell them what happens with Yuri and Allison too, because um, like I've spoiled everything, but I don't want to spoil what he does because it's so heartbreaking. And when you see it, like I warned you, but I didn't tell you what it was. I warned As you. You that usually it, do. Yeah, I'm like, by the way, something emotional is coming up. Have fun. Like, great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I I th- I agree with you. Like, despite all of our spoiler talk, like. Yo, go play these games. Mm-hmm. That should be the the thing. They're kind of expensive on eBay and Amazon. They so are. So like, I paid like forty for Shadow Hearts one, and then like thirty for two. That's about the same going price it is a year later. So you're gonna have to spend quite a bit of money on these old PS2 games, but worth it. Yeah, like I, I would completely agree. Like both these, like one's a little bit more dated than two is. But both games are completely worth it. Like, they're just, there's some rare gems out there that you probably just kind of glance over in terms of like early PS2 stuff that probably didn't get as good marketing as it should have or just wasn't out there in the public eye compared to like, you know, other big RPGs at the time. So, Final Fantasy X. Yeah. That being a big one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, if you overlooked it, I would definitely say, like, hey, because these two awesome people on the internet told me that I should play them, I should do that. So do it. You should. IGN, 10 out of 10. Yeah, and then like you should <laughs> hit us up on some Twitters and be like, hey, dudes, I played this game because you said I should, and it's awesome, and we love you now. And Just, just make that fit into 140 characters. We'll be, we'll be set. Right, right. Best idea ever. <laughs> uh, Shadow Hearts, great. Two thumbs up. If I had more thumbs, I would give it that too, but I don't have four thumbs thumbs up. I mean, I guess there are four thumbs between us. (laughs) If I could give it more thumbs, I would. But unfortunately, I am not an oddity. Okay, that's a lie. I am an oddity, (laughs) but I don't have more than two thumbs. Oh. But yeah, go play these games. They're great. Do it. Please. That's a. Yeah. Please. (laughs) <laughs> I cut you off that's uh I forgot I, I forgot I labeled this episode of Shadow Hearts 2.8 HD remix in the, <laughs> in the schedule because I'm an <laughs> asshole <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you did. You did. I left That's it gonna... because I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> that was just me being a jerk to you. And <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Duncan on Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, well, no. Duncan on Kingdom Hearts should happen. But yeah, this is our friendship. You dunk on it Kingdom is. Hearts and also like make fun of me with Shut Arts 2.8. We dunk on each other quite frequently, so. Yep. It's all good. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA, episode number 12. Next week, as I have the <laughs> as I have the schedule point up, uh, happy Pi Day, by the way, as this is 3-4. Uh, we're going <laughs> to, unfortunately, since the date's 3-11, we're not going to uh, learn about Amber and the color. Of no! no. No, we're not going to do that. No. no, we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. Um, we're going to talk about a console that is still very hard to get your hands on, but yet somehow both of us have one. Uh, we're going to talk about the NES Classic next week and the weird, the weirdness of that, let's just say. Also, Pi Day is 3.14. Is it? I, I'm dumb. Don't don't listen to me. Come on, know your pie. I was uh, three, happy three quarters day. Because <laughs> if you try to write that at three fours, three slash four in like a, a document <laughs> it'll just it'll just auto translate to three fours and i'm just like no that's not what i want he did what it like think? five times it was great <sighs> it was very rude but we will we will talk about a fun console that um that we both have surprisingly thanks mom yeah <laughs> thanks best buy <laughs> best buy is your mom yeah it's i know it's shocking <laughs> spoiler alert so yeah, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, check out seasonal anime, bleh, seasonalanimecheckup.com. It's a mouthful, let me tell you. Or if you don't want a mouthful, sac.cool. There's stuff on that website. You can go find all the past episodes that we've done so far, like the Persona Retrospective that is two parts, and we're both very proud of because it was a lot of work and it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, and then all of, our, all of our past episodes as well, which are all very fun as well. You should go listen to them. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Like, comment, subscribe. Re- leave, leave reviews. <sighs> Go check out Anladium at Anladium.com. She has cool stuff on her website as well, like good writing pieces. Yay. That you should yeah. all check out. <laughs> and yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back next week with some classic talk. <laughs>